This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how's it going? Doing good, Metcalf. Another week. Sweet 16 is uh, hours away from tipping off as we're recording this. So, you know, me and Metcalf had to get in the trenches and, and hit record so we could watch some basketball. I'm excited for this weekend, another weekend of hoops. How are you doing, Metcalf? How's, how's everything treating you? I am fantastic. The sun is shining. We're starting to see patches of grass, which, uh, you know, have been vacant for six months now. So that's just really exciting times. Uh, Like you said, we got tournament games tonight. We are recording this before Thursday night's game. So maybe some of our takes or whatever or predictions will be outdated, but we're also going to be looking a little forward in advance. Um, So even if you aren't listening to this right away Friday morning, first off, shame on you. Um, Do better. I'm kidding. Uh, But also what we're also going to be kind of looking forward and talking about some, some future hypothetical matchups and whatnot as well. Um, So Rucker, let's just dive into it. Uh, We're going to kind of just go region by region here, talk about matchups we like, matchups we're intrigued by, future matchups we hope we get. Um, And let's just start in the the South region. Mm -hmm. Tonight we have Alabama versus San Diego State and Creighton versus Princeton. I think from a draft prospect standpoint, neither of those specific matchups are that intriguing. So let's be hopeful and let's just assume or hope that Alabama and Creighton win and they play each other in the elite eight. So if that does happen, what are kind of some of the, some of the things that you're going to look for? Yeah. So you, you said tonight, but we're talking as if people are listening to this on Friday. So we're basically right. playing chess. Okay. Just wanted to clear that Sorry, up. So um, no, 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 no. It's smart. I just, you know, I got to think in the future, back to the future. Um it's, you know, obviously Princeton's been an incredible story when we're talking about tournament storylines. Um, but as draft evaluators, we're we're all rooting for, you know, I'm sorry for the San Diego State faithful and the Princeton faithful listening to this podcast. We love you, but we're rooting for that Alabama-Creighton game. I think Creighton came into the year. We all thought they could be a, a bit of a juggernaut. They had some injury bugs throughout the year up and down they're starting to find their groove i think if they have a a bit of a statement performance against princeton i think you know don't pay too much attention to that six seed i think creighton has the tools to be a nasty team to deal with bam is exciting um you know i know brandon miller's been dealing with that groin injury he's looked a little rough i, I feel like he just had a game in the tournament where he had like zero points but it's going to be interesting to see what, what Brandon Miller we get in this one. I, I got a feeling he's got a big game um, just waiting to to come out. And, you know, going up against Creighton, they got a lot of stuff they could throw at you. And and we've seen Bama as good as they are when they're cooking and they're rolling. They can be beat. It only takes is a, a rough game 
shooting from Brandon Miller. And then if someone else doesn't step up, they can't be beat. So I don't know. I, I'm really intrigued if those two teams move on for that elite eight matchup, that would be really, really interesting when it comes to Creighton's depth of what they can run at you um, going up against Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney. Yeah. And so you, you referenced Brandon Miller's uh, zero point game. That was in the first round where he did hurt his groin and then came back and had a solid game against Maryland. And I, I think that's been a really interesting theme with him all year where there really hasn't been this prolonged kind of freshman slump from him. Um, there've been, you know, shaky games here and there, but it doesn't feel like there was ever a two, three, four week stretch where it's like, God, Brandon Miller really fell off. Um, yeah. I know the two point percentage was what it was early in the season, but the outside shooting was still lethal. The defense, the passing was still all there. Even when he wasn't making shots, he was still getting to the free throw line and he just kind of felt like an automatic double digit scoring automatically. So the fact that he had zero points against uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, it was surprising. The groin injury obviously plays some factor into that, but then to see him bounce back against a solid Maryland team, a kind of a strong defensive Maryland team, it was really cool. And I think against San Diego State, I, John Rothstein tweeted out earlier that uh, Miller still isn't a hundred percent, but he's you know good enough to go. Going against this really veteran San Diego State team. I think it's going to be an awesome test for kind of his resiliency. They're going to get up into him. They're going to be physical with him. They're going to really test him. So to see how he and the rest of this Alabama team that has a lot of youth on it um, adapts and kind of counters all of that, I think will be really interesting. But the the real matchup in this region is Alabama Creighton. And, I, you know, the biggest names to keep an eye on from Alabama are Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney this year. And then even looking forward, uh, Gurley Pringle, Jaden Bradley um, and Charles Bediaco are some of the other ones on Alabama who could really pop and who have been really strong down the stretch for Creighton. It's um, Trey Alexander is the big one. Uh, Arthur Kaluma is really starting to come on and play more of a role and forcing things a little less. I think that wing matchup, that big matchup with uh, Kalkbrenner and Bediaco in the post would be awesome. Gurley on uh, Kaluma would be awesome. Trey Alexander on Brandon Miller. I everything that we kind of want from a prospect matchup between those two teams, they match up really, really good where we get a lot of really cool head to head battles. You know, you know, bring up a really good point about, you know, Miller kind of having that bounce back ability um, throughout his freshman year. It's something we just don't really see often with these freshman guys like that, you know, they're human. They can have a little three or four game stretch where they just struggle and, um, get the yips if you want to put it that way. But I mean, like earlier this year, you look at his game log, his game log is absurd. And then um, he played against Houston. He had eight points on O of eight shooting. Um, they ended up getting the win. Everyone remembers that game. And then next four games, he averages 22 and almost 10 with three assists on 50, 48, 88. Um, and you go see that like throughout the year, like, he has a rough shooting game against Oklahoma. Goes four for 14. Next game, 22 points, eight rebounds, three assists on eight of 15 against Vanderbilt. Um, and, and it's just impressive to look at the game log and see kind of that reoccurring theme when it comes to like tough performances in which he's bounced back right away. Like it, the only one you could really point at of like a, okay, that was, there was the struggles. He had a three game stretch, including the North Carolina game early in the year that we all remember the, the one that goes to overtime. And he, was just 
couldn't make anything. He went four for 21. The next game he plays South Dakota State goes five for 11. And then that Houston game, he goes over eight. So you're like, whoa, there it is. But we just mentioned, you know, what he did after that. So um, I think the big thing also is like he groin injury, but he now has potentially had a week to kind of rest and get ready for this game. Um, and, and like I said earlier, it's not, you know, we're rooting for Creighton, Alabama, but they got to get through San Diego state. Who's been tough. And um, Princeton's been an awesome story. They're going to have some, some momentum going with them, but Creighton is really fun when it ta- when you want to talk about like just what they can throw at you. They are deep. Uh, Baylor Shireman has been great. Um, I think Trey Alexander is the guy everyone's got to pay attention to. That's the one that could start making some noise as a, a second round riser, if you want to put it right now. Cause I, I like his versatility. He's been efficient this year. Um, that would be a really, really fun elite eight matchup. And I know everyone will get caught up with one versus six if that happens, but I don't think it's that big of a you know difference. It, it would not shock me if Creighton get, would give Alabama a run. Yeah, so l- let's stick on Creighton just for a little yeah. longer here. Um, talk to me about Trey Alexander because coming into the season and after like um, their preseason tournament, uh, Maui, um, you know, he had a lot of hype. He was first round on a lot of on a lot of boards, uh, mine included. Um, Arthur Kaluma entered the season with lottery hype. Um, he's fallen off a good amount, but I think those are kind of the two main ones with. Baylor Shireman lurking as undrafted free agent, fringe second round guy. Um, where where do you kind of have all all three of those guys and view them in terms of their NBA future? So I've got them all. Where do I got Kaluma? I've got I I the Kaluma one is still really fascinating to me because I'm just wondering if it was kind of one of those years where he knew the expectations, he knew the hype, and he just hasn't you know, been there efficiently. Um, I've got him a little bit late second round. I got him in my top 60. I've probably been a little harsh on him. I still think some team's going to be intrigued with his talents. Um, maybe that's a guy that spent some time in the G league figures it out and then sticks Trey's moving up my board. I got him at 40 right now. Um, he's a guy I kind of want to keep moving up to because I had this conversation, I think with you, maybe it was off the air, but you know, I'm, I'm absolutely in love with Kobe Bufkin of Michigan. And I've basically, I just been posting all these finals and watching everyone's highs throughout the entire season. And I watched Kobe Bufkins and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is, Whoa, Metcalf shout out. Like you were, you weren't kidding. Um, he's skyrocketing up my board, but then I go and look at his numbers and I go and look at Trey Alexander's numbers. And I was like, they aren't that far apart with their production it's pretty similar there's a lot of different so i was like why not trey alexander sort of like he's i think he's six four just like buffkin um kind of got that same you know he's going to be hanging his hat on the versatility on both sides of the ball just smart player and he's starting to play some really good basketball at the perfect time of the year i mean his last six games he's averaging 16 points per game five rebounds 2.8 assists one and a half steals shooting splits of 45, 48, 94. So I think this is the time of the year, you know, me and you always say, and and a lot of the no ceilings guys say, you don't want to put too much into the tournament. 
but I do think the tournament could be if you're if you're playing good at the end of the year, it's almost like putting up a, a beacon in the sky of like, hey, I, I'm playing good. This is me. You might need to go back and look at what I just did this entire season. And that's fine. I mean, when you're a scout, like you're trying to watch everyone you possibly can, but then you might all of a sudden need to be like, Hey, I need to go watch Trey Alexander. Did I, if I missed a guy, like, did I miss what he's been accomplishing this whole year? And another guy, you go look at his game log. I mean, he's had some Holy crap games. I mean, he had 32 against the Paul. He had uh looking through everything. I'm just trying to find like 20 and six, just filling up the box score all over the place uh against Villanova he had 27 on 8 of 15. I think he's just one of those guys that knows how to play the game um knows how to play his role and also can get hot and just kind of take over and you you were early in the season pushing him Metcalf and I feel like you got a little quiet and then all of a sudden now it's like wait I need to start listening to Metcalf a lot more so I don't know I just really really think this is a, a guy too that we got the combine coming up that could be a guy that has a big week and teams are starting to buzz about him. And we saw that last year with Andrew Nimhart when he didn't have the biggest year when it came to production. I think kind of made that Gonzaga team roll. And then he goes to the combine, just tears it up. People are like, whoa, what's going on? Nimhart almost goes in the first round. Let's move on to the Midwest region. Um, so we have in the Sweet 16, uh, Houston versus Miami uh, and Xavier versus Texas. Those should be two awesome games. Uh, where do you want to start? Let's talk about Miami because um, really interesting team. Yeah, um, Isaiah Wong's been getting a lot of buzz with draft fans. Um, he, he has over the last couple of years, but I feel like it's the the undertaker coming out of the grave is Isaiah Wong right now. Like, okay, I'm back. Like start talking about me, but it's so funny. The beginning of the tournament, they played Drake. Everyone was excited to watch Tucker on Drake. And um, that Miami team, I felt like they were looking ahead and I was like, man, they better get going or they're in, they're dancing with the devil right now. And they finally pulled that one out and then really impressive performance in the following round against Indiana. But I really like this Miami team. Um, it's going to be interesting. They're scrappy. I like Jordan Miller a lot. I've talked yeah. to you about Jordan Miller. I'm, I'm a big fan of his game as kind of potentially a second round sleeper or maybe a guy that priority uh, target and after the draft is an undrafted guy and goes to summer league, makes some noise, maybe play some time in the G League, sticks on a roster. You never know. But obviously Houston is staring them down and you can't be coming into that one you know, coasting, you got to be ready to rock. And I don't know, where, where do you want to go? Do you want to stay with that? Or are you just waiting to talk about Jairus? Let's be honest. <laughs> no, I, I think this game has a lot of really kind of, again, kind of similar to what Creighton and Alabama potentially presents. I think this one has a lot of really fascinating individual matchups with Jamal Shedd on Nigel Pack, with Marcus Sasser and Isaiah Wong, Tremont Mark and Jordan Miller, um, and then Juwan Roberts or Jairus Walker and Norchad Omir. Um, and then you throw Wuga Poplar in the mix as well. And it gets, there's just a lot of really fun matchups across the board. And both these teams are really high energy, really aggressive, really physical. Um, it should be a really fun one, but yeah, let, let's stick with Miami just for a minute here. 
I've been out on Isaiah Wong for three years now, ever since people started hyping him up in the past. And I just never saw it. The shot, the scoring, the playmaking, the decision-making, none of it was really ever consistently there. This year it is. Um, I, I have him as a top 60 guy. I, I'm not in love with him, but I, I see it when you're looking for a fifth or sixth guard on the roster who can play decent defense, hit, um, you know, spot up threes, who can have those occasional scoring outbursts that kind of take your team over when the rest of the team is having a sluggish offensive night in the middle of the week in February. He's he could be that kind of guy who sticks around the league for a couple contracts and just plays 10 to 15 minutes and is this energy piece off the bench. Um, I think the way he's kind of continued to grow and alter his game uh, from his freshman year where he was like this pure point guard. Um, last year, I thought he really struggled with that adaption from being that pure point guard to more of a shooting guard. And this year we've seen that transition be a lot smoother and the shot more consistent, the scoring role more confident. I, I just really like the way he's grown overall as a player. Uh, Jordan Miller is another one of these guys who just does a lot of the little things. Um, the shot's going to be the swing skill with him because it's just not consistent enough right now. I have him, I think, top 60, if not close to it. The the footwork, the slashing, the interior scoring, the scoring touch, the defense, I like it all. It's just if he never figures out how to shoot, and he's an older guy, so that is a little concerning, but if the shot never really comes around, what is he really in an NBA context? And that that's kind of worrisome. Um, Nortrad O'Meara, that that dude's just fucking fun. He's I, so much fun. He's I don't know so if he's an NBA fun. guy, but he works his ass off. He rebounds. He's a defensive playmaker, a good rim protector, strong as a bull. Um, he's just an absolute delight. Yeah, he he's he's a blast. He's just like a just sit back and watch and enjoy it. Don't even think about down the road. But um, he's going to be a guy I always enjoy. Transferred over to Miami this year. He's been so much fun just to watch. But Wong against Sasser has the potential to be one of the best matchups in this round, I think. Um, And I'm not talking just like draft stock guys. I'm just talking about those are two viciously competitive guys, competitive guys that are like, they can get so red hot. Like looking back at Wong this year, he's had some stretches that are crazy. He had a four game stretch early in the year. He averaged 26 a game with 5.8 rebounds and 7.3 assists on shooting splits of 55, 45, 89. Um, so like all of a sudden he's just started to really come into his own. He his last eight games, he's averaging 16, four and two on 44, 43, 84. That includes two of those games. He went combined two of 19. So like, you throw those out, he's just scorching hot. And, you know, against Indiana, he had 27 and four and eight. Um, or no, I'm sorry, 27 and eight on nine of 17. So those are going to be two guys that are really, really excited to put on a show. Um, I think Wong probably also understands he's not an idiot. He's like, hey, I'm I'm starting to find my groove. I put up another performance. This could really, really help me, um, especially going up against a team like Houston. This is a guy that, should be on everyone's radars when it talks about draft stock, where it comes to like, he could be a combine guy that probably should play 
And if he puts on a good showing, you never know what happens that week. That's why I always say you never know what could happen in one week there. Um, but it's been a guy too. I've, I've same boat as you. I've been kind of out and he's done some stuff this year where I'm like, I can't really keep ignoring this. I need to, this is a guy I'm going to go back and watch. So like the whole year and try to get a vibe for, cause you know, he put up 36, seven and six in a game this year. Um, that gets your attention, especially on the college college four, but like six, three crafty. I, I I'm just excited for that matchup. And, I've just rambled as long as possible without talking about Jairus Walker. So, well, I, I, I need two more minutes from you before okay, we okay, transition. Okay. Um, we just got to touch on Wuga Poplar real quick. There's some people have been buzzing about him, others not so much. I'm just going to run through his numbers here and then get any thoughts um, from you. So, Poplar's 6'5 uh, sophomore, uh, shooting guard, eight, 8.4 points, 3.2 rebounds, 1.5 assists. Uh, 48, 40, 88 shooting splits um, rounded up on those. And then you look at his synergy numbers, about two thirds of his possessions came either spotting up or in transition, 70th percentile spotting up, 63rd er, percentile in transition and um, 93rd percentile shooting off the catch. So it looks like he has a lot of kind of really intriguing off ball shooting tools he's not much of a move movement shooter only four percent of his possessions came as what came uh with with running off screens um i think he's a guy who would be much better served coming back for his junior year having a much higher usage kind of taking over that isaiah wong role um i i don't see him as a this year guy where, where are you at with poplar i I'm not even going to try to pretend I've watched enough, but um, I know that's been a name that's, that's popping around. I also just got distracted. Um, We have some draft breaking news, according to Mr. Jonathan Gavoni, Mr. Jet Howard is officially, officially declared and a very interesting breadcrumb left by Mr. Gavoni that Howard is out for the next month. rehabbing ankle injuries. He suffered in both feet. So everyone, uh, don't get too married about those splits when they struggle. There's always something going on. But um, yeah, remember remember that two weeks when people are like, Jack could really return. It's like, no, he's not. What are you talking? Yeah, I. I, So sorry, I I just got completely thrown off. But you, I can't even try to pretend for everyone listening that I'm going to give an in depth feeling about that. Um, Let's move on to. Yeah, I'm sorry, and I'm not. I, I just I pride myself on. We'll, we'll I'm not going to BS. Yeah, I'm not going to BS everyone and pull them along. Plus, you know, Jed Howard, I'm sorry. He gets the spotlight for a, <laughs> cu- a couple seconds. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Let me just stay with Jet because I know you love this. Sure. So sorry, Mr. Toppler. We're, we're, we're throwing you out. Another day. Um, I just did Jet's finals breakdown. Gosh, he's so smooth. And he's yeah. just lethal from outside. So I'm wondering if this is the guy that everyone's going to cool down on and not realize that he was playing with injuries to both ankles, not just one. He didn't just hurt one and playing on one bat. Ankles for a guy that moves around and is a movement shooter. I don't know, Metcalf. I think this is a guy that people are going to start cooling on and overthinking some stuff. And uh, an NBA team's potentially going to jump all over him and get gold. So I don't know. I just wanted to, I want to vent that to you. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to drop the name of the prospect, but it's sounding awfully familiar to a prospect who had some injuries down the stretch last year and over the summer and had less than an, an ideal rookie year up until recently where he's starting to show some flashes. So it's almost like injuries and context matter in these affairs. Um, but we'll save that for another day. And let, let's move on to Houston because I think they do have two surefire first rounders and mm-hmm. a guy who should go top five. Um, so do you, do you want to start with Jairus or Sasser? Let's talk about Jairus. Um, there's just some stuff I've saw. So there was a, there was a clip I saw that was also shared on social that I'm not calling anybody out, but it was like a bad defensive sequence of Jairus going up against Taylor Hendricks. And I was like, the funniest thing was the group chat shared it. And it was right as I was editing Taylor Hendricks finals. And I saw that and I was like, Oh, Jairus, that was a bad sequence. But I was also like, that was also impressive by Hendricks. I love Jairus. Um, you can't get married on one clip. Uh, I mean, every single prospect you're going to watch, you're going to have their lapses or they're going to get bested by someone else that has great talent, but you need to watch everything. I think he's, I think he's a top five guy. I really do. Um, his last four games, he's averaging 12 and seven with three blocks. Thank you for that six block performance. He just had against <laughs> Auburn. Um, shooting splits of 50, 33, 87 from the line, but Hey, two, two free throw attempts a game. We're not going to get too married on that. Still. I've loved everything I've seen from him. I think there's so much stuff waiting to get unlocked and untapped. And I think the NBA game is going to be very, very kind to him when it comes to, you know, letting his talent blossom. So, I've loved everything I've seen from him. I've got no doubts that I'm going to have him top five on my board. That's that's one of my guys. I, I just love how he plays the game of basketball. Yeah, and so I, I admitted the other week that I recently caved on and moved him down to four from three um, in place of Brandon Miller. He's not dropping any lower no, yeah. than four. Um, I, he's the best all-around defender in this class. He's a good rim protector. He can switch anything. Well, obviously not anything because some of the quicker point guards will give him troubles because he's built like a bull. Um, But almost anything on the perimeter, he's got incredible footwork. His off-ball instincts and timing are impeccable. His hands are really quick and accurate, both with rim protection and and going against the ball handler and forcing steals. Um, And then offensively, when you – something that gets talked about so much with – every prospect except him is just imagine him in NBA spacing. Just imagine Jairus in NBA spacing. I I know we talk about this with Anthony black all the time. And it's something I kind of have to keep going back to and recalibrating my evaluation of Anthony black, but just imagine Jairus in NBA spacing with his ability to attack closeouts and play, make and cut and operate out of the pick and roll and do all of these different things. Now space the floor with at least three, high quality shooters around him and the space to completely operate and do whatever he wants. Um, positionally, he has the best handle of his position in this class. Uh, I think he is the best passer at his position in this class. And I don't think it's close. Um, the shooting mechanics that he's cleaned up from last year, his senior season in high school to now are immense where 
at IMG his senior year, he had this kind of exaggerated lean back in his jumper. That's almost completely gone. You rarely see that in his jumper anymore. Uh, you touched on the free throw numbers, um, obviously low volume, but really high percentage displaying his impressive shooting touch. I think that's translated on the jumper this year as well. There really isn't anything that he does where I'm like, oh, that's really a concern. I don't I don't think he's going to be filling up the box score regularly and posting triple doubles or 30-point games or anything like that. But he's going to be producing nothing but winning basketball for 15 to 20 years. I mean, he's going to be – I always say his last name wrong. It's, it's rent – it's 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 has real estate in my head. Sohan. Did I say it right? I believe so. I thought we changed up how we pronounced it like 15 times during last year's so cycle. So I'm just going to go with what I, I know, but he's going to be this year's Sohan. Um, and look what he's been doing with the Spurs in his rookie year. You're talking about a versatile guy that can really just fill it up. And I don't think, you're not drafting Jarris to be a superstar. You're drafting him to be a superstar connector. Like just be like, Oh my gosh, Jarris Walker adding him to the mix is unbelievable. Like every team's going to be just drooling like, okay, Jarris, we just added this Hulk like figure that can do everything on the court. We need him to do. And I think the playmaking is something we have to understand. Like you have to, if you're struggling with him, go watch him in high school you're going to be just he ran point. Yeah. Jaw dropped about some stuff that he has in his game. And I do think with NBA spacing, it's going to be just blossoming. It's going to be unlocked. I, I just love his game. And unfortunately this year, I feel like we've just seen a little bit of flashes and people are loving those flashes, but I was like, there is, this is around from a more consistent level, but just that Houston roster, how they're built up. They're so guard heavy. They have just veteran guys like, yeah, they're putting Jarris in positions to to showcase that, but not all the time. I think he's going to get more touches, be a guy you could kind of potentially run your offense through. And um, I don't throw this name around often. He just reminds me of Draymond. He he really does. And I'm I'm not saying he's going to be an immediate like all defensive defensive player of the year guy right away. But it would not shock me if Jairus Walker gets into that conversation throughout his NBA career. Like, I think that highly of him. And everything you hear is that he has all the intangibles you want. He's a locker room guy. He works his ass off. Great kid. Checks the box, like, right down the line. And the shot has improved. It looks much better. Um, the only thing he's got to work on is just getting that free throw down. He's got to be minimum in that 70% range, but I think he will get there with time. And um, I just absolutely adore him. I, I He's fourth on my board. I had him there. Um, I think me and you got the same four. I think we're going to end up probably going that way unless, you know, you text me at 2 a.m. and be like, uh-oh, I've, I've figured something out. Like, But I don't, <laughs> I don't see that text coming from you. No. Um, all right, let's move on to the other game in this region. Um, Xavier versus Texas. Yeah. I, I think Colby Jones is the kind of standalone NBA prospect for this year. Um, wh where are you at with that? Oh, gosh. I just have loved them all year. And I'm not trying to be like, this is what I've been telling everyone. And everyone's heard this that listens to this podcast. But Colby Jones can just 
flat out play basketball. And I absolutely adore his game. Um, that's a guy in this class. I would not be shocked anywhere he goes. Um, if he went low, I would be very shocked, but I think some team's going to be very smitten on, on his tools. What he brings to the table This came into the year, um, had some buzz just because of last year, but like everyone needed to see the outside shot develop. It's been great. He's averaging 16.6 points, 7.5 rebounds and three assists over his last eight games. Um, 53, 34, 63, which is a little odd for him, but he's putting up big numbers. I think now he's kind of trying to carry the load, you know, tournament time. He's trying to do everything he can. And I don't know. That, I, I just really love the way he plays the game of basketball. I think he's really smart. Some people have thrown out some Josh Hart comparisons. I think that's kind of the vibe you want to go with, but I still think Colby might have a little bit more offensive, you know, power in his game, more of a punch. So I don't know. What, what about you, Mick? I haven't talked to you too much about Colby. Yeah, and the the Josh Hart, Wesley Matthews is the kind of player I get vibes from him or kind of expect him to be like or play a similar role too uh, in the NBA. Um, he's just really smart. He's just another one of these guys that consistently makes the right decision and makes winning plays every possession. Um, the, the shot looks a lot better this year than last year. I still think it has a ways to go. There will be the occasional like line drive that hits off the opposite side of the square. It's like, what the fuck was that Colby? And you know, next couple he'll drain nothing but net. So I think there is still some ironing out with the mechanics that he still needs to do, but he's a really good connective passer, really good rebounder slasher. Um, the off the bounce scoring has looked really a lot more promising. And then the defense, he's an awesome defender. So he's definitely a guy I would be eager to take in the top 20. Um, looking at, I, you know, looking at the rest of Xavier, uh, Suli Boom, his, he's fun. Uh, Jack Nungy's kind of fun. Um, I don't think there's really another NBA prospect um, on this team. Do you see anyone on Texas this year that could really get drafted? Uh, the only one that I think has a real shot is, oh gosh, I don't. They, he would need a very big week at the combine, but like Tyrese Hunter in the beginning of the year was fantastic. He's just been up and down the rest of the year. I think that's the only one that probably gets the attention. I know some people will think Dylan Mitchell will have still plenty of fans in front offices. Maybe I would be shocked if he declares, um, yeah. unless he just had like a out of nowhere, unreal game, but Mitchell has the tools. He just needs another year and he needs a bigger role. He doesn't um, get the opportunity. To no, do he doesn't. And, you know, he's coming off where I'm trying to go game logs. I mean, he just played nine minutes. Yeah. And, th and that's Penn been State. common where he's for most of the season. There are a lot of games where he's playing under 20 minutes a game. And the bulk of those minutes come in the first half. He hasn't played more than 20 minutes since february 6th every single game since then has been under 17 minutes i mean his last three games he's played nine minutes 10 minutes and 14 minutes um he he's really intriguing defensively i think there's some stuff there 
but there's just nothing offensively, like absolutely nothing, unless he's he's throwing down oops or you know becoming the role man and getting a wide open dunk. Like, there's just nothing. Just guy that needs some confidence. I'd love for him to go back another year. He needs another year. Um, who knows? Maybe he shocks us and goes to the combine just to get feedback, which never a bad Smart. idea. You should always do. Um, but he, he, I don't see him getting drafted. Tyrese is just the guy that I love the way he plays the game, but he's undersized. He's been inconsistent. Um, beginning of the year, his outside shot was looking great. It just hasn't been falling. So who knows? Um, last year when he was with Iowa State, Iowa State, he went on a little run in the tourney, and everyone was talking about Tyrese Hunter. He would need to have a big game and a couple of them to convince scouts that, like, okay, this is what we were expecting. But I don't know. I just don't see it. I, I really don't see it. I think some other guys have, have made some noise and we still got the international class. I don't, I just unfortunately don't see it with the Texas guys. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, Marcus Carr is just kind of a gunner. Serge Jabari Rice, awesome season. Um, Arterio Morris has showed some stuff, but and I would be stunned if he didn't return next year. Uh, and then I just think Dylan Mitchell hasn't gotten the opportunity to show anything. I was super high on him coming into the year. I thought he was going to be one of the best defenders in the country. Um, I've largely liked his defense and his rebounding this year, but when you're not allowed to do anything, it's really hard to project you forward and be really confident in investing draft capital into you. So out of these two games, who are you hoping for um, from a scouting perspective um, to advance to the Elite Eight and face off. I mean, I, I'm I'm pulling for Houston. I'm 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 sorry, guys. I'm I'm a big Marcus Sasser fan. Senior went back. I want him to get as far as he possibly can. And then I I, I really am rooting for Xavier. Um, Xavier's got you know. Just a fun squad. I don't know if they have guys other than Colby Jones for this year, but I think they have some guys that you need to pay attention for for next year. Um, they got some talent. They're scrappy. I think them and Houston going up against each other would be crazy. I know some people are going to say, well, what about Texas? It's just like Texas. It's just like, woof. Um, they're frustrating for a scouting perspective, but Texas just keeps winning. They play yeah. tough. So if they went up against Houston, obviously Texas, Houston, like that'd that be would fun. be crazy. That'd be really fun. And that game might be 40 to 42. Like wait, it'd just be ridiculous. But uh, what about you? Yeah. And I, I think from just a scouting perspective, uh, Jarris versus Colby, obviously they wouldn't go one-on-one yeah. much, but those are the two biggest names. Um, seeing Jarris and Sasser go up against that Texas defense would be a lot of fun though. It'd be yes. a real test. Um, and vice versa, um, seeing Sasser try and shut down Marcus Carr or Tyrese Hunter or Serge Sir, Sir Jabari Rice um, would be a lot of fun. And then Walker dealing with Disu or Mitchell or um, Cunningham, you know, Bishop there, you know, Texas is deep. They got a lot of older guys and a lot of experience and a lot of guys who play really hard in those defense. So from just a scouting perspective, I lean towards um, Xavier Houston from a yeah this is gonna be a rock fight um i i kind of i i think houston texas and even miami texas would be a lot of fun um i the 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 one i'd be least excited about is miami xavier um but i i think any of the other three would be really entertaining um all right let's move on do you want to go east or west 
Let's go. Uh, let's go west because okay. the, those are some games going on tonight. Right after we're recording this, so it'll be fun to look back tomorrow and make fun of us. Perfect. Okay. I, I'm sure we'll give them plenty of fodder. Um, all right. So we have Arkansas versus UConn and Gonzaga versus UCLA. Where do you want to start? So we're for everyone that's going to join us tonight. We're doing the Arkansas UConn playback. I'm really pumped for that. Um, I'll be on there yeah. with. Nathan and Maxwell, um, right after we record this, I'll basically have to get ready for that. I'm really pumped for that one. I think that game's a big, I think that's one of the games I'm the most excited about in the next two days. Um, Arkansas with a big win over Kansas, but there's a lot of stuff developing with that team that I'm, you know, monitoring. Um, We never get too caught up with what happens in March Madness, but I do think there's some stuff that is shining some light on some names. Jordan Walsh was fantastic against Kansas. Um, Starting to get a little bit of an army shout out to the Razorbacks faithful that are saying, Hey, maybe this is a a guy this year, which is fine. Um, I think he's always been considered the wild card and I'm not trying to be like, Oh, we were always saying this. I, I, I didn't, I didn't have him in my top 60 because I thought he was just going to be a breakout candidate for next year. But now you're talking about, Okay, is everyone looking at Jordan Walsh in an NBA circle that's saying there's the defensive lockdown guy that the rest of the game just needs to get developed? Maybe now he's a pre-draft guy. Maybe he goes to the combine, gets some good stuff going, plays well. You never really know with someone like Jordan Walsh. I still think another year he would legitly be a first-round guy um, because next year's class might be a little bit weaker Walsh coming back and having more of a role and putting up better offensive numbers, he would skyrocket because he's got good size. He's got versatility. I've just been intrigued, but that's also now where it gets to the point where it's like, okay, do you parlay that momentum? If he has another good game against UConn, do you parlay that momentum into the combine and just see what happens? I don't know. What about you? What are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, and I, I, I think he definitely should use this and try to get into the combine if, at the very least to get, you know, feedback. Um, and you know, the feedback is going to be learn how to shoot. Um, right. And that that that's a big thing with him because his defense has been absurd all year, and it's really exciting. But he has been a large negative on offense. Um, he's been much better these last couple of weeks. And I think we're starting to see a little more of the kind of passing and slashing stuff from him, but it's really easy to kind of take that stuff away from a guy who can't shoot at all at his size. And it's really easy to kind of start giving him the Tony Allen treatment and just kind of let him disappear. And then you're playing five on four. Um, and that gets really difficult uh, against Kansas. He was shooting confidently and it looked solid, but I know all season, the shot hasn't been there. And he was in the 26th percentile on spot up scoring 29th percentile on cuts. And those are his two biggest um, or highest frequency play types on all jump shots, 27th percentile shooting off the catch 19th percentile. And what I think is really concerning is 24th percentile on layups. I don't think he has great touch. Um, Obviously not rooting against the kid. We never do that. I'm really, really excited about his defensive defensive tools. And what he's shown on both ends of the floor these last couple of weeks has 
kind of forced me to move him back up closer to my top 60 and really reevaluate and go back and rewatch the film, see where he was, you know, in December and how much he's grown until now. And is it okay? Is he just on a hot streak or is he actually really starting to put stuff together and trending in the right direction? So, you know, I it, obviously if he gets to the combine and someone gives him a first round promise, you go, you go pro a million times out of a million. Um, I would never tell a guy to turn down a first round promise, but I think there are still a lot of question marks with his game, regardless of how exceptionally well he's been playing right now. Right there with you. Um, talking about this game in a bigger picture, obviously a lot of people are going to be watching Nick Smith extremely closely. Um, you know, finished zero points on Oh, four against Kansas. It was just one of those games where Jordan Walsh was playing so great and Nick yeah. Smith couldn't get anything to go. And, and I think same, a lot of same people, with Devo Davis where, yes. And, and everyone will kind of overreact to that, but it was like, Hey, Muscleman's not an idiot. Like biggest stage. You had two guys cooking. Yep. Nick Smith was cold. That's what a coach would do is put it like, okay, I, I'm rolling with the hot hands. Um, but like, he just also is coming off a game against Illinois in the tournament where he, went two for 10 from the field. So this is a big game for Nick Smith um, going up against UConn. And I, I want to see who gets the assignment of chasing the Tasmanian devil for a full night. Cause Jordan Hawkins, if you haven't watched him close, it's gotta I, be Walsh, right? it, I would think it's gotta be Walsh, but it, I'm not trying to say this in a bad way for Walsh, but like, can he keep up with Jordan? Cause Jordan run right. sets and set like just for crazy. And it, I would say that about anyone. Can you keep up with Jordan Hawkins for an entire game? Yeah. So I, I almost think you got to split duties. Does Anthony Black get on him? I don't know. And, and I'm excited to watch Anthony Black too because I think like he kind of was, you know, a little bit of a ghost down the stretch too. But it was just Davis and Walsh were carrying that team. A lot of interesting storylines. And I really like that UConn team. I, I would not be shocked if UConn makes it to the Final Four. I think they have that type of team. So there's that. There's our boy Andre Jackson. I love who's a game record. I mean, this this matchup's going to be really damn fun. Yeah, and from a matchup perspective, I imagine that Jordan Hawkins matches up on Nick Smith on defense, mm -hmm. and Andre Jackson matches up on Anthony Black, and I, I fun. <laughs> that is so much fun, and that's going to be a really really hard test for these Arkansas freshmen. Um, Andre Jackson is the best athlete in college basketball this year. Um, I think so. I don't think that's hyperbolic. Um, and Anthony black hasn't had to deal with a guy like that. He's had to deal with some really good defenders, not trying to diminish how good he is, but this is an NBA level athlete and this is an NBA level defender. And he's going to be in his face for 48 minutes. And I, or for 40 minutes, excuse me. Um, it's okay. I do that problem all the time. Too. That's why. I, that's why I always like try to stay away from using the minutes thing. Yeah. I'm always like, I'm gonna mess that up. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe we get overtime. Yeah. Um, there you go. <laughs> but that that's that's gonna be a really good test for both of them. And then on the other end, I'm I'm not sure who Nick Smith guards. Is it Tristan Newton? Probably. I don't know because I, I I'm not sure how given UConn's kind of size. In athleticism, I'm not sure how you can have Nick Smith and Davis on the floor at the same same time. But 
I'm not the coach, so I don't have to stress over that. But from a draft perspective, Andre Jackson, Jordan Hawkins are the two big ones on UConn. Um, I think if Jackson can give them anything offensively or scoring wise, I think that's going to be huge for them. Is there anyone else on UConn that you're kind of intrigued by? I love Sonogo. I just love, he's just so fun to watch. I don't know if I'm not a draft guy or like, I just think he's just fun. He's just like a guy you root for. He's taken such an impressive like stride this year in his game. I think he's also going to be a guy that could eat during this game. Like he could just go nuts. Um, Donovan Klingon is a guy I think that we need to watch for next year. Like, um, Nick at No Ceilings has written about him, did a great piece on him. I know some guys have some fans there. He's freshman, backup big, like really talented, 7-2, kind of intriguing skills. I think that just could be a name that, you know, you need to watch out as a breakout guy for next year. So, like, that's why I love this UConn team because they are just – they can run a lot of different stuff at you. And then the wild card is Andre Jackson. Like, if he all of a sudden is getting to that point where it's like, oh, he finished with 10 points, like, that's usually when he's rolling too. And it's like, yeah, Oh, that's, that's he huge finished. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like he had 10, probably seven and six and two steals. So he just, you know, excuse my language. He just fucks things up. He's a game wrecker. He's just can do a little bit of everything. Andre Jackson's also a guy that, you know, flies out of nowhere, throws down one crazy tip dunk. And it's like the air just went out of the building. So they got a lot of stuff they can throw at you. And then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jordan Hawkins is running off and hitting three straight threes off of five screens. He's just a madman. So I like their team. I'm really excited to see this. And Musselman's going to have Arkansas ready to roll. But you, they better be locked in defensively. You, you cannot fall asleep on this Huskies team. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Gonzaga, UCLA. What kind of stands out? What what are some of the prospects or matchups that really stand out to you in that one? Bona versus Timmy is going to get my entire attention. I I cannot wait to see that. You know, Timmy's obviously, it's funny about this Gonzaga team. They had more hype last year with, you know, Chet, Nemhard and all those guys. I still love Julian Strother. I think he's going to be the one to make sure you don't forget about in this one. Oh, that would have been fun if him and Jalen Clark were going up against each other. But I mean, we'll probably get Strother and Hame or, or some form of that. Um, I, I really do think Bona, this could be a game in which everyone wakes up about his defensive ability because he's got the size to go against Timmy. He's got the strength, he's got the power, and he can move. So Timmy is going to be interesting because he's also, you know, as much as some people might not like him as a prospect, Timmy's still a damn good college basketball player and he's very seasoned and skilled and he's going to try to get Bona in foul trouble fast. Yeah. Cause he don't want to deal with Bona for a whole game. So it, that's the matchup. I'm so excited to watch tonight. I mean, almost as much as anything I talked about Isaiah Wong and, and Sasser going up. I think Bona and Timmy's right up there in my, my rankings for like, just really pumped to watch those two battle. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's going to be an awesome test for Bona. Um, it's either going to show how incredible he is as a defender or just kind of how young and over-enthused he may be because it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's out there super amped up and biting at every shot fake by Timmy um, in the post because Timmy's 
one of the best post scorers in the country, incredible footwork, super crafty, great touch. It's going to be a real test for Bona and UCLA all season. They've been really aggressive with Bona in their pick and roll coverage. And he's his ability to cover the entire court is so impressive. But when you're facing an experienced player like Timmy with his skill and scoring touch, it's going to be a really tough test because he's a lot harder to kind of chase down and recover on because it, he he has a better sense of where you are in terms of where he can get a shot off and a little shot fake. And then you go flying by and he leans his shoulder in. Cool. There's your third foul in the first five minutes of the game. It's going to be really interesting because if he, I, I think he has all the potential to hold Timmy to a tough night and give him absolute hell. But Timmy's really good. He's really smart. Um, I, I think Strother against Hakez probably the way they'll go although it wouldn't surprise me if Hawkes gets matched up on Watson um it, it's just a, it's just a really interesting game from some kind of fringe first round guys on both both sides of the ball um let's talk about Amari Bailey quickly yeah he's he had that midseason injury kind of got off to a slow start in the beginning of the year had some bumps uh coming back from the injury uh in January or February um but he's been really good recently. So where are you kind of at with Bailey? Uh, He's, this is the guy making some noise right now. Um, Beginning of the year, I went and saw them live and I saw them against Illinois and he went over five. He had one point six rebounds, three assists, two steals. I was like, okay, I get the intrigue. I don't know if this is a one-and-done guy, but I was also like, this is the fourth game of the year. Let me reevaluate this down the road. And then this whole year, I was like, he's going to have a stretch this year where things are coming to life, like things are starting to click. And he did. It happened two games later. He's had 19 against Pepperdine with three rebounds, four assists, follows that up with a 12-point performance against Bellarmine with four rebounds, eight assists, and four steals, has 19 against Stanford, has 14 against Oregon. I was like, all right, here we go. Amari Bailey's making the charge up the boards, and then he just went like ghost. He had four, four, three, seven, like just the game log. And then he goes back up, then comes back down. So I was just like, okay, where's the consistency? Because I was like, all he needs is a strong month or two in a row in which he really will be knocking at the door. Cause this was a preseason first round pick in a lot of boards and it's an intriguing skill. Like we talked about him in the preseason as like, maybe this is a little bit of a Jalen Brunson guy or he's six, five, he's a little bit of a combo guard on the wing. And I just never got, I was like, I don't think this is a one and done. I think he's going to need that second year to be the guy with Hame leaving Maybe Jalen Clark leaves. We don't know. UCLA, if you could tell us what the injury is, we'd really appreciate it. Um, But now all of a sudden, he gets to the conference tournament, he drops 26 on Colorado. And it was like, okay, is this a one in, you know, is this just a a fluke or what's going on? Then he has nine and six and two the next game, follows that up against Arizona. He has 19. Followed up by 17 in the tournament and then right against Northwestern, he had 14. So he's having a nice stretch right now. So you get one more game against Gonzaga and they move on. That noise is going to get a little bit louder with Amari Bailey and 
Um, he's starting to get a little bit of buzz. I would still just like, I, I don't, I still think he would go back and do so much wonders for his draft stock, but you never know. I mean, that's another guy like Jordan Walsh. Maybe you parlay this momentum into the combine, see what happens. He should absolutely go to the combine, absolutely yeah. go to the combine and get that feedback because he might go there, play, get play good. And then all of a sudden be like, Oh, I'm going out. You know, I'm in, Maybe he's a first round promise guy. You never know at that range. We've said this draft class, when you get past 25, there's some, some guys that could be all over the place. Maybe Amari Bailey all of a sudden intrigues the team picking at the end of the first to be like, come out, we're going to take you. We, we want to add you to the mix. Are you there or are you still intrigued? I'm intrigued, like top 60 intrigued. Okay. Um, so yeah, you're, you're thinking, would he be I, I, a breakout guy for you? I, I think you put him at your list. I, I think if he came back for his sophomore season, I think he could easily be a top 20 guy. I do too. Um, especially because I, I think Tiger Campbell is gone after this I year. I hope he's been there Maybe for 10 if, years. Yeah. I hope. I, he might, he might just change his name and be someone else for four more years of eligibility. I don't know. Um, but I, I think Tiger's that would be a give, senior. Tiger, okay. Tiger is a senior. I'm sorry. He's never gotten a haircut. So I need him to leave and potentially yeah. get a haircut. Yes. Um, Just kidding, but, Tiger. Come on the pot. Uh, but I, I think that would give him a huge opportunity for a much more important role and play more of that point guard role, which I think a lot of NBA teams would expect from him. I think right now he's more of that off-ball kind of combo guard um, who shows some flashes. I buy the shot long-term. I think he's going to be a good shooter. Um, the off-ball shots looked really good. I think there have been some pa- some flashes of really good passing. Um, but then there have been some stretches of really bad and inaccurate passing. So there, there just hasn't been that all-around consistency from him this year. I know the injury plays a factor into that. Context always matters. But the defensive concerns and lapses, too, have played a huge role. And if you're going to be that kind of concerning, let's say, on defense, I need a little more from you on the offensive end. And I think if he came back for a sophomore season, I think he would be in the role where – he'd have the opportunity to show all of that at a much higher level, at a much more consistent basis. I, I just think it'd be better for his game. Um, it would surprise me if he ended up getting a first round promise and going in the first. Um, but I think he's going to be one of these guys where if after the combine and we get closer to that declaration deadline and he keeps his name in, it's like someone's giving him a guaranteed contract. For sure. I mean, there's always a gamble and those he's going to be one of those names. Like when we get to this upcoming month, that's where, especially I don't know about you Metcalf, but I start zeroing in on those guys. Like I don't, I'm not focusing too much on potential lottery picks unless it's like, Oh, okay. Are they getting a little bit of buzz or I'm usually asking around about Intel and what's the vibe with them. But I'm focusing on like, the guys that are on the fence. I'm like, those are the ones that could swing everything when it comes to, you know, if all of a sudden Amari says I'm staying, then I'm like, I go back and watch everything. Like, it is just like one of those guys, like I was expecting him next year, but now, okay, let's go, let's dance. And he's a wild card. All I'm not trying to say I put too much into the games because I don't, but if he has another big game, I know how quickly this. Yeah engine can get rolling with NBA guys like front offices there's scouts that are 
they're catching up on their scouting with these guys. And if Amari has one more big game against them, that'll be a name that heats up in, in circles. It just happens. This is, it happens all the time. All right. Uh, who are you hoping for to kind of move on and match up in the elite eight? The funny thing is uh, what I was trying to get out with Gonzaga earlier is I feel like this team is better built for a run because they don't have all that hype that they did last year. So I'm sort of rooting for them. Um, I would like to see Timmy at least get a little elite eight action. And I also just love their roster. I love Rasir Bolton. I love a lot of guys on that team. So I'm rooting for UConn. Um, and I'll say Gonzaga just to be, get away from the potential high seating matchup. What about you? Um, I think UConn UCLA would give us the best game. Um, Arkansas would be fun. I love all the Razorbacks faithful. You guys have been so passionate this year. So I would, I, it would be cool if they went on again, but I love UConn. I love me some Jordan Hawkins. All right. Uh, let's move to final region, the East, um, FAU versus Tennessee and Kansas State versus Michigan State. Where do you want to go? I mean, these are just like bar fights. <laughs> this is the bar fight section. I mean, um, FAU has been on a fun run. I still feel like we got a Julian Phillips big game coming up. Well, Obviously, that that would mean that he would be allowed to do anything other than run run off of a pin down and shoot you, a 10 foot mid range jumper. You beat me to my joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I I'm rooting for Tennessee shout out Rocky top. Um, Kansas state, Michigan state legitly might be a bar fight. Like yeah. uh, they might but, actually play the game in a bar. I I'm excited to see that one. I don't know. What about you? Um, yeah, l- l- let's just stick on that one. Uh, Kansas state, Keontae Johnson, Naquan Tomlin are probably the, the, mm-hmm. the, the two, fringe draftable guys um i think i kind of lean naquan um but whatever um i I, I think i think with michigan state um i don't really think they have anyone this year i love the steps that Jaden akins has taken um this year but he's the kind of top guy for that team i don't think hauser's a guy i don't think hogard's a guy um i don't think tyson walker's a guy but this is a tough well-coached, really disciplined college team who, unfortunately for me, shout out Paige, um, is making another run in March and it's the worst. I feel like I'm going to make a rule that as long as Izzo's there, I'm betting Michigan State in the opening round of every... <laughs> like, did he's just a monster around this time of the year. I swear they make it far every time. Like, if Michigan State against Marquette, I should have just been like, the Izzo factor, let's just bet it. Yeah, they're tough. Um, that's why I love Izzo. He gets the guys that he's like, no, I don't want the one and dones. You know, usually I want to get the guys that want to stick around and, and become a team. And that's why I, I've always loved the Spartans. And I don't, that game's going to be so much fun. And it it's so ugly, but it's going to be so much fun. It's just going to be an absolute chaos factory. So you can convince me either way. Um, Children shouldn't be allowed to watch that game. It's going to be just so ugly. I like Keontae's been one of the coolest stories in college basketball this year. I'll be fascinated to see what his draft stock is. Yeah. Um, because he's been outstanding, but I wonder if his age is going to be a factor. Um, Naquan's fun, but is it just rawness that you're going to get excited about? I think some team will at least throw a flyer at that. So I don't know. 
All right. Um, and then FAU Tennessee. Um, Julian Phillips is really the only guy. I think John L. Davis, uh, 6'4", sophomore guard from FAU, uh, first ever player with a 25, 10, 5, and 5. That was a dope tournament. stat when I saw that. I was like, badass. <laughs> like, wow. Okay, cool. Like, great. Um, maybe a guy to keep an eye on next year. I know honestly nothing about him, but hey, that's very cool. Um, Julian Phillips is, from a draft standpoint, the only name to keep an eye on in this matchup, I think. Um, or am I missing someone? No, I and I, I'm, I'm proud of you for saying that. It's like, hey, give us a break. We haven't watched in-depth FAU basketball. We're not. I don't. We don't like the BS. I don't like to lie to our our faithful, our fan base. It's like, yeah, if he has another game, I'm gonna be like, okay, maybe I should go watch him a little bit. But I still love Julian. Um, I think, despite the lack of production, I need him to declare i cannot have him go back for another year of the rick barnes experience but on a serious note i love his game i think he's so much talent to be a guy that plays a long time at the next level because he's just the defensive upside the nastiness the frame a lot of untapped potential that i think teams will be very very intrigued by um i bet he's going to be a good pre-draft guy I bet teams are going to see him in the gym and be like, Oh, this is a very intriguing talent. We could add at like 25 or something and be in our wheelhouse. Like a playoff team would be very smart to get Julian Phillips because he's got a lot of talent. The shot is needs to come around, but we say that was guys all the time. But, and I, and I still think he offers too much defensive upside to not get a, you know, a team very in their feelings. Yeah. Um, all right. So from scouting perspective, I guess Tennessee, Kansas State for me. Um, Gosh, what about you? That'll be almost just <laughs> as ugly. I mean, Tennessee, <laughs> that game would be disgusting. Um, will Will these two games break 180 total points? No. Or not. Both of them combined or just one? Uh, no, sorry. Not both. Th- 360 total points. No. No way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, absolutely not. What would we have to be? Okay, look, have to well, be... Look, well, what if I lower it to like 280? So that'd be 70 points per team. Oh, gosh. The over-under for Michigan State, Kansas State is 138. My goodness. Um I don't know. That's disgusting to say like that low. Life's too short to bet the under. <laughs> Shout out Big Cat. Uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know. What about you? That, no, I'm taking the way under. Ten- Tennessee yeah. scored 58 points against Louisiana and 65 against Duke. No, under. Isn't it, Tennessee's missing their best guy, right? Their uh, best scorer. Uh, Ziegler. Ziegler. Yeah, yeah, so I mean like. The fact they're getting this far without Ziegler, I mean, not their best guy, but Ziegler is just a stud. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's ugly. It's ugly. But this has been a good one, Metcalf. I'm pretty pumped for this. Thanks for everyone listening. Like, I'm, draft season is rolling, baby. I'm so pumped. <laughs> well, Rucker, uh, enjoy the games this weekend. Um, we'll be all across playback. Um, there, the, the whole no ceilings crew will be on playback all weekend. Uh, so make sure to check us out. Rucker, anything else you need to plug? 
No, no. Thank you guys for everything. we got some fun projects um, in the works. Go check out our YouTube channel. we got finals going on everyone. I'm have, I'm pumping them out. Like, I'm, I don't care if, you know, we just had, uh, who did I put up? I just put up Derek Lively's defense was very fun to, to break down. Um, Tariq Whitehead's is going up right this second. Probably going to have a James Najee one. So I'm doing everyone. I'm going to try to get as many, probably at least 50 up. And uh, thank you guys for all the support. The growth every single week has been awesome. So I love you all. Enjoy some basketball. And thanks for thanks for tuning in. Well, you can find all of our written work that is 100% free at NoCeilingsNBA.com. Just click that subscribe button while you're there to make sure that you never miss anything that we publish. You can follow us across all socials at NoCeilingsNBA, where we uh, tweet out and share everything we've written and all of the YouTube stuff as well. And follow us on YouTube at No Ceilings TV. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and five-star rating. Until next time, see ya.